necessarily provided. And I think it's funny. A lot of teams will just be like, oh, we have somebody for that. We have a sleep console. We have this. I'm like, the players don't know anything about it. How can you say you have this fucking box check when you really don't? And it annoyed the crap out of me because I'm, again, to my idiotic dismay, it's like, well, if nobody else is going to do it. I'm going to do it. I made a career doing that. Mm. It's good and bad. It's good because it can actually, you can leverage it if people recognize what you're doing. It's bad if people don't uh, understand it or don't even care and you're just doing all this extra work that may or may not be providing value to the athletes, which is the most important thing. And it's not putting any more money in your bank account and you're just busting your ass, wasting your time. So had a really great experience there. You know, we learned a lot. We did as much as we could in mainly the goal was to have the team physically and mentally ready to play on Sundays. So whether that was reducing games lost to injury, whether that was, again, complementing the way the coaches wanted to train in terms of practices run, just making sure that we weren't our own worst enemy. If there were things that we knew about players that we can prevent them or educate them on to help them get to that stage with being available, um, then that's what we wanted to do. And I think we were successful in you know, getting it. The big thing was reducing games lost to injury. And it's not reducing injuries because when you're talking about football, you can't stop injuring <laughs> football. And in the NFL, you have to disclose everything. It's not like college. So if a player has to go do dental work and they don't practice, like they're on the injury report. Mm. If a player wakes up, you know, yawns and stretches and gets into this, you know, massive extension and strains their sternocleidomastoid, which has happened, and obviously that, you know, they can't move their neck. So yeah, you're not going to put a player out there and it's, in a, it's a cue. They're going to fix themselves in a couple of days. Um, you put them on the injury report and that's where fans and other people sometimes go a little bit crazy about why do they have so many injuries? Why is the report like that? I'm like, you look at the report on Wednesday, Thursday, and then you look at uh, the report on Sunday and the inactives and you tell me, does it make, does, is that the, you know, the end all be all? So no. So again, I, I really, really enjoyed working with Aaron. He challenged me to get outside of my comfort zone in terms of what I had experienced and how I approach and think of things. So it wasn't like he was a direct mentor or anything like that's not his job. He, they like Coach McAdoo, Aaron, Ronnie Barnes, they hired me to do something because I was the person they felt was going to take that role and fulfill it properly. And I had to do all the growth on my own. And fortunately, I had a chance to work with him, which was great. Um, unfortunately, we sucked. You know, we, this is the crazy thing. In 2016 was Coach McAdoo's first year. They went to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So Jerry Reese, the GM, knew that defense was lacking. They spent $100 million fixing the defense. You know, you get Snacks Harrison, uh, awesome run stuffer. You get Olivier Vernon from Miami, pass rushing, outside linebacker, slash D-end. You signed, you know, Janoris Jenkins. The year before, you had uh, DRC. So the defense was solid. Uh, the offense was struggling a little bit. You know, they Eli played a hell of a game in their – wild card game, but they lost pretty badly to the Packers. 2017 comes around. Okay. Defense is still good. Uh, let's get some free agents in. Let's bolster the offense, you know, sign Evan or draft Evan Ingram first round mm -hmm. tight end out of Ole Miss sign Brandon Marshall, another receiver. You know, we already have Odell. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like things are going to look up. It does not happen that way. Unfortunately, the media says, hey, this defense can get you to the Super Bowl. The Giants should make the playoffs. But we were 0-6 heading into Denver. And, the, and our first win that year was at Denver, which is really funny because I just saw a clip of Garrett Bowles, who was on that team, 
because uh, they just lost to Miami 70 to zero yesterday, yeah. which to me is unfathomable. Like you score 70 points in an NFL game. I think there were weeks like three or four years when I worked for the Giants in like four or five games combined, we didn't score 70 points total. You scored in one game and there's still eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. I'm like, oh my God, good for them. You know, I think these young coaches, which understand the game, but want to do it their way, who say, you know, fuck tradition, fuck what everybody else is doing, because everybody else is losing. You know, they're losing their jobs. They're, they're not growing. They're not, you know, achieving success with or without good rosters. So my time in New York was great. Like, I really enjoyed it, but it gets to a point where I saw the writing on the wall where it's like, no one's going to hire me as a head strength coach. And that was you know, something Aaron and I talked about. He's like, I'm not hiring you for that to be the potential. I'm like, that's not why I wanted to come here. Um, my growth in the organization is pretty much capped. You know, not like I wanted to be Aaron's boss or anything like that. It's like, you know, as long as he's there, I'm still riding this wave of feeling very comfortable with what we were doing. We had a lot of buy-in from the players. They'll tell you that. Um, it was very intentional. It was very smart. You know, it was obviously still a million things we could have done better. Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us out and it helps you be notified when we have new content get released. So again, please hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoy this content. And with that, let's get back to the show. Uh, and that's any situation. But then 2020 comes around. I think we're all going to get fired. Uh, you know, Ronnie and the GM and all of us, they want to retain us. So Joe Judge retains us. I'm like, okay, well, how is this going to go? Because he's already dictating to Aaron, you know, what conditioning should look like, how preparation should be, movements in the weight room, and he's changing my job description, um, you know, and then Aaron, Aaron leaves for a very great role, which I was very supportive of. I'm like, you got to take care of your family, man. Who knows what's going to happen in this league? You know, there's no loyalty in the NFL, even though we're putting that foot forward from our end. And then I did I got transitioned to a different role. I'm like, this is awful. Like, I have no control over my career, my future, my life. I'm on, under contract. I didn't sign my extension. I can't go to another team. You know, you can't back channel that stuff because I'm under contract. The only way I could get out is I had to leave. Like, and I ended up doing that. <laughs> That's fucking impressive. Like, <clears throat> to actually see the writing on the wall and to do it that way because not a lot of people, a lot of people would just kind of piss and moan about it, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know how it is. Circles of coaches, they, it's always everybody else's fault. It's never their fault. You know, only if I had this opportunity or this chance or if I work for this person or if I had this budget, if I had this weight room, if I had, you know, whatever. And it's not just, you know, being very self-aware about you and your situation. Like me, like, I'm the reason I was in this position. Nobody forced me to take any of these jobs or work these hours. And now I'm like, is this what I want to do until I potentially get fired or... You know, I'm 50, alone, no family, um, living in a house in Jersey or wherever by myself. So I was like, I think there might be a way I can transition out just to test the waters to see what life is like out there. You know, I didn't really have a plan in place. So I will, I will tell people I'm better off for making that decision, but not having a plan in place and thinking that everything would fall in line for me immediately. Because it kind of did during my career was very naive of me because I'm like the hardest years of my entire life happened after I left the league, not those tough years working in the league or, you know, working insane hours in college. Like, honestly, that's just a breeze, but it has made me a better, yeah, it has made me a better person and a better man. So what is, um, 
what is your piece of advice for anybody that is transitioning? Because, you know, more and more people are kind of talking about that because you talked about it at first, like, hey, that I'll do it mentality is something that all strength coaches have embedded in their head. How can you keep that team player aspect, but still respect certain boundaries as your, you know, even in team sport, but then transitioning to the private sector world or even in the tactical world, like that's a complete paradigm shift, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It, it, it was a little bit of a, a shock to me at first, because when you transition from this big machine that has a lot of things already in place, you know, you have budgets in place, you have access to doctors, you have, you know, medical staff with you, you have a facility, you have the athlete management systems and the software. Now, you can't do as much as you would like to. So people that talk about the progressiveness of professional sport or this team or that team, teams aren't doing shit. I can do more than any team could ever do on my own easily. And I have, and I think that's one of the unique things about going from this very confined atmosphere where you're bound by NCAA regulations or CBAs to now you can do any and everything you want. You know, if you want to specify or take over a specific niche, you want to be the full health practitioner of whoever, you know, athletes or non-athletes, you can do that. So I didn't have systems in place. And my naivety with that was I would figure it out. I don't need to hire a coach. I don't need to ask people for help. And that's just me being stubborn, having had figured things out for a very long time myself, not knowing that when you're on your own, you need as much help as possible because the people that don't ask for help or try to figure it out using other people's you know, recommendations, their guidelines, the things that have, they've done to make them successful, it becomes very, very hard. So like the first go around I did in 2021, you know, I was, I was doing online coaching, you know, looking at all the different parameters, everything, but I didn't have my systems in place. I didn't have, you know, these principles and these methodologies that other coaches and health coach practitioners have done and have taught. As I said, fuck it, I'll try to figure it out myself. And that made things a lot harder for me.